Those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft And I've got no defense for it The heat is too intense for it What good would common sense for it do? Cause it's witchcraft Wicked witchcraft Back for another episode of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm your Hufflepuff host, Dan Rhino. I'm your Ravenclaw host, Jessica Rhino. And we are at the final chapter of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Woo! I'm, in the last episode, I meant to say the penultimate chapter, uh-huh. which is the second to last. And I was going to make myself look really smart by saying that big word, and I forgot to do it. Oh. So now sorry. I, I don't look smart. Well, kind of. I mean, I don't know. Because you kind of balanced it back out with the, if you forgot. Yeah. Right. Well, well, maybe next time. There's another. There's a couple more books. you got a couple more shots at There's it. always tomorrow mm-hmm. for dreams to come true. And some dreams came true in the final chapter here. Let's uh, recap chapter 17 real quick. Hey. I'm going to do my quick one-minute recap. So Should we had, I time uh, you? Uh, sure. You got the little sand timer there? No. Flip it I over. I just have my phone. I'm sure there's a sand timer app on there. Yeah. Well, next time. All right, here we go. Uh, evil Tom Riddle slash time-traveling young Voldemort was defeated. Uh, the Basilisk bike was killed by Harry Potter and the He-Man sword that was inside a hat. Uh, Ginny escaped the clutches slash control of Voldemort. Gilderoy Lockhart, Men in Black, neuralized himself. Uh, Fox the Phoenix flies everyone out of the Chamber of Secrets. We're on our way to see McGonagall, and I believe the Mandrake milkshakes are done. Wow. So, there you go. I'm not sure that was even a minute, and that was quite a lot of information there you go that was chapter 17 you're welcome wow chapter chapter 18 was a little less on the killing giant serpents action level and more on kind of just putting the bow on everything everybody goes home happy you still had questions i had questions and they were answered jessica i know i was excited for you in this chapter I'm always so excited for you when you're reading. So Harry and Ron head to McGonagall's office to spill the beans about pretty much everything. And is Harry worried at all about all the secrets that he's kept? Because when he finally goes and, like I said, to spill the beans to McGonagall, he's kept a whole book of secrets here. (laughs) I was thinking that, He's kept 17 (laughs) chapters worth of secrets. like <laughs> clandestine meetings and and, <laughs> and secrets and now he's he's kind of in, instead of slowly releasing these secrets out now he's just going to have to just vomit them all out is he worried at all about what the repercussions are going to be what um, do you think his feelings are going to see McGonagall or do you think he's going to be hailed as the conquering hero I don't think I think he's still a little bit in shock and I don't think he's really too worried about it like in that moment because he does. He just kind of spills it all out there. And I, I'm thinking as I'm writing my, my notes, and I'm like, mm, should I just put, and Harry retells the entire book to the adults in the room. They say he did it in about 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, of quarter part hour. of it was in 15 minutes. Right. And he, then they he were left like, out, he left out and, some stuff. And then McGonagall's like, but how did you survive? And he only got up to where they, they found the entrance to the mm-hmm. Chamber of Secrets in 15 minutes. Well, McGonagall doesn't realize this is just a synopsis. You don't give every little detail. Yeah. That's not what she wants. Well, well she wanted to get to the juicy part. Mm-hmm. She was ready. She's like, yeah, yeah, that's all fine. You broke a bunch of rules. You found the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets. But how did you get out? How did you survive? How is Jenny still alive? We were led to believe she was already dead. Yeah, she's one of those people what who reads the on? last page of a book before she starts reading it. She is most definitely not. No, I don't know. <sighs> no, I don't know, Jessica. I think she might be. I think she was she was she was clutching her chest and gasping. She was just so overwhelmed that she was like, "But how are you alive?" 
So Mr. and Mrs. Mind the fact uh, that you are with an adult. Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are there. Yes. And they're pretty much just distraught thinking that their youngest child is dead. Yeah. And then Jenny shows up with Harry and Ron. And Mr. Weasley acknowledges that Harry and Ron saved Jenny, wondering how you did it. And like you said, Harry basically tells the last 17 chapters of the book. But he does forget to mention the diary, being afraid Jenny will get expelled for the things that she has done if the diary is no longer functions as her alibi, so to speak. Yeah. Of being zombie mind controlled by Voldemort. Also, I don't think he really wanted to talk about it in front of her. So does he have a plan for telling the story with does he have a plan for a way to tell the story without that main component? Or is he just kind of flying by the seat of his pants he's right now? He's totally flying by the seat of okay. his pants. So he's just... I think he got up to that point and kind of went, oh no, wait a minute. Like he was ready to just keep going. And he's like, wait, wait, um, what do I do? And he looks for to someone for help. Someone we didn't mention was also in the room. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore is back. He's back! Yay! So Dumbledore bails Harry out, basically just flat out stating that Jenny was being controlled by Voldemort. Bewitched, yep. Now, I wanted to ask you a question about the Weasleys, who are very happy that Jenny is, in fact, not dead, mm-hmm. as parents uh, no doubt would be. But did the Weasleys know that Voldemort was back after the first book? Or is this their first... Because they seemed surprised when Dumbledore broke the news that Jenny was being controlled by Voldemort. They, they kind of seemed like, Voldemort? What? How? How is, how is this happening? Our Jenny? What does he have to do? What does she have to do with Voldemort? They seemed a little caught off guard. I thought that they were aware, after, especially Mr. Weasley being in the high position that he is. Well, I think it has more to do... Well, okay, so he disappeared... After he tried to kill Harry, you know, when he was a baby. Mr. Weasley Not tried Mr. to kill Harry? Weasley! Lord Voldemort. Use your pro- you're using pronouns. Well, you knew who I meant. You were just giving me a hard time. So he disappeared. Some people believe he's dead. Mm-hmm. Hagrid, I think, explains this in the very beginning. Some people believe he's dead. Some people don't. But I, I don't know where they fell before, but definitely after the first year when... Harry encountered. I'm sure he they heard all about it from Ron. So I know they know he's back. Voldemort was living in this dude's head. Yeah. And he had a turban on. Yeah. I think they were just more concerned with, well, how is this... Again? I thought this was taken care of last year. Didn't mm-hmm. we step up security? He's not living in anybody's head this year. No, he's a force ghost now. Oh, yeah, but they don't know that part. Alright, I'll give it a try. No. Try not. Do. Oh, do not. There is no try. Yeah, never so that's Star- what they wanted to know. They were I like, would, how is this Mr. possible? I think Mr. Weasley's probably seen Star Wars. I don't think he has. It and, wasn't... and if he had, that would just totally confuse him. He'd be hmm. like, how is this possible? You don't think that with all his love of muggle stuff that he's not a muggle cinephile? No, they're not that far advanced. Like... He plays with like an he old sees TV like, he and sees an old like toaster a, a and an old radio, but yeah, he doesn't. He's not that far into it yet. Okay, he's Baby still steps. like on Betamax. Yeah, tapes. <laughs> a little black and white so on, square TV. He's on eight tracks. You know, he's got to flip it over to get the other four tracks. Now, were eight tracks like eight tracks on each side, or were they eight tracks total? I don't know. I don't know. I, would, I only had. I did have eight tracks, but they were like I had the single, I had the Alvin and the Chipmunk song. Yeah, you probably on eight tracks. Played ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. And I think the other side was just the like the instrumental or something. I don't remember what's on the other side, but I had to like listen to that to get back to the other side. Eight tracks were kind of at the. We're kind of getting phased out when you and I were getting into music. I think it was it was really transitioning to cassette tapes. Yeah. At that point. Oh, I would even say that. I'd say they were gone, but 
They're, My grandparents yeah. still had one at their house. Yeah, they were still kind of clinging to... Yeah, it was clinging, but it wasn't really phased. It was phased out. It was just a remnant. So maybe that would be something that Mr. Weasley would be into, kind of the old school the old electronics. School stuff. He kind of starts slow. Before he gets into like 4K Blu-ray, yeah, stuff not, like that, definitely just, not there yet. That would just blow his mind. So Harry explains how Voldemort slash Tom Riddle had basically laid out this plan for 50 years with this diary hiding his youthful essence inside of it. And when Dumbledore hears this, he seems super impressed and almost—I don't want to say proud, but almost. Well, they use the word brilliant differently than we do. But he, I don't want to say he's envious because he's, it's not like Voldemort is more powerful than him and he, he's envious of that power, but it's almost like he's, he's not exactly like proud in a positive way, but almost like, like I knew this kid was going to be something. He always was our best student. He always was somebody who we knew big things were going to happen. We just didn't know it was going to be big things that were in, bad. A, in an evil way. Well, and I kind of took that that little couple of lines there where he was like, brilliant. Oh, he, he, well, he was one of the most brilliant students we've ever had here and blah, blah, blah. I took it more of like when Harry explained the, um, the diary, like it solved the puzzle for Dumbledore. It's the last piece of the puzzle. There's only one place it can go. Like he pretty much put everything in in place. He knew what was going on, but he asked, "Well, how? How?" And the the diary thing. I don't know that he exactly figured it out, but when he did, it was like, "Ah, oh, I get it now." He was, and so I think there it was, was like a, a final little clue he needed to a little, solve the uh, mystery of what was going admiration on. Admiration is kind of a strange word to use for it, but but there, it seemed to me like there was a little bit in there. Mm-hmm. It's almost like. You know, Dumbledore obviously had a connection with this kid when he was in school. Dumbledore being the greatest wizard of his time and this kid kind of being, you know, the next generation. Tom Riddle being like the up and coming, you know, could be the next great, wonderful thing if he would have put his mind in a, in a positive way. If he would have used that Slytherin ambition for good, mm-hmm. imagine what these two could have done even together you know if tom riddle would have come back and been a professor of dark arts at hogwarts or something like that unfortunately you know kind of to draw the star wars parallel again he gets pulled over to the dark side yeah (laughs) and never really gets a chance to redeem himself because he's too far gone J.K. Rowling's a Star Wars fan. I'm, oh, I'm con- everyone's a Star Wars I'm, I'm fan. Con- I'm convinced because they're just. Po- it's if just you're so not, many- you're lying to yourself. You liar! <laughs> there you go. Uh, so now we get to know how Jenny found the diary, which is something that I had asked you a couple chapters ago, and you said I needed to wait to find to out. Find out. Well, Dumbledore very skillfully clears the room too. He gets rid of the Weasleys and says, oh, take Jenny up to the hospital. McGonagall, go get us ready for a feast. Mm -hmm. And then he kind of addresses the issue with Gilderoy. (laughs) We'll we'll get... uh, I was giggling. We'll get get that to that in a second. I got that just like three lines down (laughs) on my notes. Uh, Can we do uh, the diary where we kind of do a callback to the... uh, the bookstore brawl because we finally find out how the diary got into to Jenny's hands and it, it goes back to the bookstore brawl from earlier chapters that it was inside the pre-owned Transfiguration book, right? Mm-hmm. So I bought used books when I was in college because they were cheaper and no doubt the same thing with the Weasleys who were you know, penny-pinching. Jenny just kind of thought that, oh, just somebody left their old diary in this old book. Bonus. It's like when you get, you know, fries at Jack in the Box and there's like a curly fry in the bottom. (laughs) Today, 
I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. You get the fry bonus? Yeah, it's like fry bonus. So that's where we're at right now as far as how she got the diary in her hands. We're going to get into more specifics. With, I thought that's where you were trying to go. No, I don't want to skip too far ahead. We're going to get more specifics with how that diary got into that book since it was not an accident. It wasn't just somebody's old leftover diary. Oh, well, that's also one of my favorite lines from the books when Jenny explains how she started writing in this diary and how it started writing back to her and back and forth and her dad kind of scolds, scolds her. her. <laughs> didn't we tell you to anything with dark, it's powerful dark magic and if didn't we tell you if you ever have a book and it writes back to you, no. it's never a good thing? No, he said, didn't we tell you never to trust something that can think for itself <laughs> if you can't see where it keeps its brain? Yeah, I like that. I love that line. I mean, you can't see where people keep their brain. I mean, you know where their brain is, you though. You think you know. If you're looking in a, at a, if it's a book, there's obviously nowhere for its brain to be. Mm. Can't see it. Can't see your brain, Jessica. So Jenny and her parents head to the infirmary. Mm-hmm. That leaves Ron and Harry with Dumbledore. McGonagall's off to get the, the feast, feast started, started because, of course, anytime you escape death, the first thing you want to do is gorge on, on food. That's what we do at, at Hogwarts. Yes. Anytime we save the save the world or escape death, we shove copious amounts of uh, food down our throats. And Harry never changes or washes up, by the way. Nah. I was waiting. I was like, he's still covered in grime slime and slime and, and, and blood stuff. and whatever. And Ron and Harry get special commendations. Yes. 200 points each for Gryffindor. Woo-hoo! Because we know that Dumbledore just hands out points willy-nilly when it comes to Gryffindor. So if there's any if what? if there's any chance that's a strong accusation. If there's any chance that Gryffindor's gonna lose, then then their students du- go and save the whole du- world. Dumbledore comes up with something. Uh oh, you guys uh, made your Saved beds. Saved the school. You guys made your beds. Thousand points for Gryffindor. Gryffindor. Gryffindor Foiled wins. the plots of an evil dark wizard. <laughs> I think Dumbledore wants to make sure that Gryffindor wins every house cup while Harry Potter is there because if he doesn't keep Harry happy, he's going to turn evil like Tom Riddle did. So we got to make sure we keep this kid happy. It's like the kid at school who you got to like walk on eggshells around. You got to make sure like he's got all his, oh, yeah. everything he needs. Or it's he's like, gonna, yo, he's, he's not supposed out. to be doing that, but it's not worth the fight. No. Let him do it. It's really not. Let him do it. So 200 points each for Gryffindor because we just hand those out. And this whole time, you mentioned Lockhart a second ago. Let's get to him. Lockhart is standing in the corner like a doofus. <laughs> Just smiling. Just with this go- goofy grin on his face. I kind of picture like a little uh, dribble of drool, drool. <laughs> coming down the side of his head. He doesn't know where he's at or what's going on. Uh, Dumbledore, <laughs> and I thought it was it was funny because Ron explains that Dumb- that Lockhart tried to do a memory charm. Do a memory charm and it backfired and he memory charmed himself. And Dumbledore tries to scold Gilderoy. Says, Impaled by your own sword, eh, Lockhart? <laughs> and Gilderoy is too out of it to even know that he's being picked on. Sword? I don't have a sword. That boy but does! He, has one. he pulled it out of a hat! I'll let you borrow it! It's not even... A- uh, he's not even like accusing no. him. He's like, he's got one. He got out of a hat. Like, you cool. know what's cool? Swords. And you know who's got one? That kid. And you know where he got it? Pulled it out of a hat. And you know what he did with it? Stabbed the big snake with it. Uh, he didn't see that part. He doesn't know that. He heard the story, though. Yeah. He was in the room. With this, this whole time with Harry's recalling all this, Gilderoy, you got to remember, he's just in the corner, just <laughs> drooling, just soaking in all this information. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we never find out what happens to Gilderoy. Do we find out ever, like in later books? 
later later books or yeah. is it like extended universe like No, later books. Okay. He pops up again. Okay. Well, I don't want to I don't want to spoil it then because he they they just kind of mentioned that he needs to go off and regain his memory. Memory. So <laughs> good luck. <laughs> go back to memory school. Maybe there's a memory therapist. Maybe. Maybe it's what they can do like one of those like physical therapy, but it's like Dr. Phil? Yeah. It's like a mail order thing. Like the squib uh, magic training that they were I don't think that'll work they were for doing. him. I'm sure there's something online, maybe YouTube videos or something like that. So I wanted to ask you about loyalty. Because loyalty is mentioned in relation to uh, Fox of Phoenix and, and the Harry connection. And how Fox came to help Harry in his time of need. Dumbledore says it was because Harry had shown fierce loyalty down in the, the dungeon or the in the chamber. The chamber. I originally thought that Dumbledore, even though he was gone, he, he kind of told Fox, like, hey man. Keep an eye like, on this kid. I'm, <laughs> I'm, they're making me go away. But since you're here, if you hear like any life and death battles going on in the school anywhere <laughs> it's probably this kid with the glasses and the lightning bolt scar because he's all it's always happens to him it's going to happen to him about once a year for, for the next five years so i'm going to need you to like go bail the dude out but apparently that's not what it was yeah i don't think dumbledore ever says hey man first I of all he, i bet he does look at him <laughs> look at him i'll bet I don't know when did he, when did he grow up, or when was his his formative years? When does Fantastic Beasts? That was in like the nineteen thirties, nineteen twenties, something like that. Yeah, there's some. So he would have been alive in like the swinging sixties. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he was like, I bet Dumbledore had like the. The peace, Wizarding World is severely behind ours. The peace necklace and. <laughs> the tie dye, and he was at. Kelly, uh, just tell him no. Woodstock. Anyway, no. It's what because... is the wizarding version of Woodstock? I want a good name. If you can email us, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. Give me a good name for the wizarding version of Woodstock. And uh, the best one we'll send a t-shirt to. How about that? Kelly probably knows the actual one or something. <laughs> she well, knows well, everything no about... Harry like, Potter. Well, on uh, Pottermore once, uh, they had a guest writer, and he wrote some uh, fan fiction, and J.K. Rowling liked it good enough that she put it on Pottermore. I don't think that sounds very much like Kelly. <laughs> just so you know. Okay. I wasn't trying to do Kelly. I was just... Oh, just any fan person? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Shout out to all the fans out there. Thanks for listening. Send us an email, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. And the best one that we get, we'll send you a t-shirt. Because uh, I got a cricket machine now. I can make as many t-shirts as I want. Ooh. Somebody got one somebody's, for me for Christmas. Somebody's bragging over there. That was Thank, me. Thanks, Jess. That was me. So the loyalty thing. Talk about it. Oh, so back to this. Yep. Back on topic. Sure. Um. Yeah, so when Harry said that, you know, Dumbledore was the greatest wizard, you're not even close... Not even in your prime, you were still afraid of Dumbledore. He, that was him showing great loyalty, and that was what Dumbledore had been hinting at mm -hmm. when he was talking into the space, the empty space of Hagrid's cabin. When, when Hagrid was getting taken to Azkaban, and Dumbledore was getting kicked out by the school board, and Lucius Malfoy. Mm-hmm. So he had said, you know, never truly gone. Help always be given to people at Hogwarts who for it and so when he was needing help fox showed up there was the big reveal in this chapter of why tom riddle slash voldemort saw quote strange likenesses in himself and harry potter what was the big thing that we find out why did tom see so much of himself in harry potter we thought that was just figuratively yeah, those, that's really what Tom was listing off. He was like, oh, we both have dark hair, we both have you know, mixed blood, and we both... Speak... Parcel uh, mouth... Par parcel parcel tongue. tongue. 
and Wait, you are a parcel mouth, mouth you speak, speak parcel, parcel tongue. tongue okay yeah. i always get it confused <laughs> and so then yeah harry kind of latched onto that his is the parcel tongue issue and the fact that the hat, hat almost put him in mm-hmm. slytherin said that he would do well in slytherin mm-hmm. and he's thinking that oh i have so much in common with the heir of Slytherin. And everybody thought I was, and and the hat almost put me in there. And I can, and I can speak parcel tongue. Did I say it right? I can speak parcel tongue. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to get it right, no matter how many times. But I you just did. I think you it was just... kind of by accident, though. Oh, okay. Harry really thinks that he kind of has this crisis of faith with with Dumbledore here in this chapter, and that he's saying. I should have been in Slytherin. Why didn't they put me in Slytherin? I know I deserve to be there. I know that's where I sh- should have gone. I'm not a Gryffindor. There's something Something went wrong. Well, he thinks that the hat only put him there because he asked for it. Mm-hmm. That he should have been in Slytherin, but because Harry said, no, no, anything but Slytherin, anything but Slytherin, mm-hmm. he said, all right, fine, Gryffindor, I guess. And Dumbledore, I guess. And Dumbledore tells him, yeah, you're right. It's because you asked for it. Because it's your choices. Be- because if you were like Tom Riddle, if you were like Voldemort, you would have wanted to be in Slytherin. You would have wanted to embrace, uh, I don't. I hate to say like the darker side, because not all Slytherins are bad. But we you know, mentioned in the, our first train ride to Hogwarts that literally every <laughs> wizard that's ever gone evil has been From Slytherin. Slytherin, yeah. But Dumbledore kind of says, "Yeah, you're you're actually right. That was a choice that that you made, and the hat listened to that. The hat took that into account that you were showing that that you didn't want to be like the Slytherins. Yeah, I was gonna say like associated with them, but yeah, you don't want to, you don't aspire to be like that. Or he but, didn't. But the big, but the big reveal that we have is that Dumbledore says that when." Voldemort attacked Harry when he was little, whether by accident or by happenstance, uh, I almost said Dumbledore, Voldemort left a part of himself in Harry. Transferred some of his power to Harry. That is why he can speak parcel tongue yeah very good <laughs> i was uh, like wait a minute now i'm gonna i was like wait say the wrong mess thing up? she never messes up <laughs> harry potter stuff that's always my job you made me stop and second guess myself though because i didn't want to get it wrong um and he explains that you know tom Riddle was a descendant of Sal- salazar slytherin and that he is a parcel mouth and that's why he and he transferred some of his power to Harry, and that's why Harry can do it too. Speaking of Salazar but, Slytherin, you got a chocolate frog the other day. I did, and you bought it for me. And of course, inside you get the baseball trading cards <laughs> of wizards of of the famous wizards, and you got Salazar Slytherin. I did, and you were very disappointed. I was like, oh. <laughs> but you told me I have to collect them all. Yeah, you got to so collect them all. Have to get them eventually. They're like they're like Pokemon. You got to catch them all. That's impossible, though. Yeah. Pokemons, there's so many. The other thing that Harry finds out that really kind of convinces him that, you know what, I am a Gryffindor, is the sword that he used. I was wondering if we were going to get to that. He flips over the sword and he sees that it belonged to Godric Gryffindor and that Dumbledore says that only a true Gryffindor could have pulled it out. So now Harry's a little bit more sure of his placement, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he feels like he's uh, he feels like he's solidified himself as in yeah, Gryffindor house. His major things that relate him to Slytherin aren't for, aren't really from him. Right. They're from somebody else. So it's not like he's genetically related mm-hmm. to Salazar Slytherin. He kind of just got some of it on him. But, <laughs> <laughs> ew, you got Slytherin on you. <laughs> 
But it took it. I mean, it took him two books to to get to that point. Imagine how that's been gnawing at him mm-hmm. for the last two years. Then Lucius Malfoy sweeps in like a bull in a china oh, shop. Kind of kicks the door open. <laughs> I'm not even sure how, I was trying to figure that out, because, like, Harry was, like, reaching for the handle, and then it flew open and hit the wall. I'm like, he must have gotten out of the way pretty quick. Yeah, he's, well, he's he's very small. He's a very small yes. guy. He probably could have just, like, turned sideways and and disappeared, <laughs> <laughs> like Flat Stanley. Oh, no. But Lucius Malfoy sweeps in, and he's very surprised that Dumbledore is back. He, he's kind of... I'm not sure he's surprised, but he's... I think he, he seemed to me like he was a little surprised to see that Dumbledore was there. He's, he said something to the to the fact of, Oh, you, the Board of Governors dismissed you, and you just decide to come back whenever you want, don't you, Dumbledore? Something like that. And the thing is, though, Dumbledore knows that Malfoy is masterminded a lot of this at this point, right? Because Dumbledore knows everything. Dumbledore knows everything. Apparently, just not the diary part, because that was an aha, that. He's like, that was the one thing I was missing. Like, the Sherlock Holmes, like, the Uh one thing. I had it all figured out except for that. Dumbledore, at this point, he knows Malfoy at least had... How much does he know at this point about Malfoy's... He knows it all. Mm, He... Probably doesn't know the one last thing. Okay. That we won't get to yet. Okay. That I think only Harry put that together because he was there. But the manipulation of the Weasley family, almost like pawns in his chess game, Dumbledore mentions the fact that the Weasleys are one of the more prominent pure blood families in the wizarding world. And if we can frame... And they really like muggles. Like, right. he, Mr. Weasley's all about it, and he's spearheading the Muggle Protection Act. And so they're like one of the big pureblood families. And also yet one they of the... still love muggle, or, you know, they still have strong feelings about pro-muggle. Right, and with, with living... With the Muggles, kind of like the X Men thing, you know, they always the storyline, ongoing storyline for like the last fifty years has been the people that want to live uh, coexist with the mutants and the people that want to get rid of all the mutants. And then you have in the Wizarding world, you have the people like the Weasleys who want to coexist and you know build a better world with the muggles we can learn from each other and... whether even if it's like a behind the scenes thing even if we're not like you know out in, in the open and everything but like yeah like you said we can learn from each other and make the world a better place they're just blown away by our inventions and the things that we use mm-hmm. At least mr weasley is <laughs> and so yeah that's what he finds so fascinating he's like we can really benefit from this if we just looked at it but on the other side of the equation, you've got Lord Voldemort and his minions who basically just want to take over everything. Yeah. They were like, we're better. We're magic. We're strong. Yeah. Kind of like you said with the X-Men. Yeah. Magneto's I was thinking you were brother, going... Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. That's what I thought you were... That was the angle I thought you were going to go with, how Xavier was like, no, we can be peaceful and coexist mm-hmm. as Mr. Weasley. And then Magneto was like, no, we're better than them. Let's crush them. Mm-hmm. J.K. More. Rowling's an X-Men fan. Previously on X-Men. Oh, Two. yeah. Well, like all of the the good movies, I guess. We can't go much further without talking about the namesake of the chapter. Chapter 18 is called Dobby's Reward. Yes. And Dobby is back. He is, of course, being drugged alongside Lucius as his... Servant. Servant, resident house elf forced to do the bidding of Lucius Malfoy. And Harry starts to put some pieces together with the, with some some charades that Dobby is playing. <laughs> Dobby points to the diary, points to Lucius, hits himself in the head, <laughs> <laughs> and 
And through this, uh, apparently Harry has learned to speak Dobby Sign Language. Well, he's through, had to deal with Dobby a lot. Through his, that's what I'm saying. Through his interactions with him, he's starting to learn to uh, speak Dobby-ish, so to speak. <laughs> but Malfoy, he was way more involved in, in this than I, than I even thought he was at this point. I knew he was a bad guy. I knew he was... I know he's he keeps dark art stuff. I know he's got to have something to do with Voldemort. I know that he had to have. It was even alluded that he bribed the other governors or did something. Did something to. Uh, he, Dumbledore says you threatened to curse their families. Right. <laughs> it wasn't bribe. It wasn't a good. He said, thing. "Well, the other ones, the other eleven came to me and just flat out told me that they only did it because you threatened to curse their families." Which does, I mean. Couldn't the other eleven like have gained up on Malfoy? Is he that? Maybe they didn't influence. No, affluent, influent. I don't know. Words are hard. Words are hard. He don't know talking good like me and you. So his vocabulistics is limited to I and M and Groot. But you won words tonight, so I thought you were good at words. Uh, most people don't know what you're talking about. So uh, Jess is referring to the on the. Uh, uh, phone game on your phone or your phone speaking device HQ words (laughs) HQ words yeah I won 10 cents tonight so show me the money but not only what we find out about Dobby here we find out from the ousting of Dumbledore to the fact that it was Lucius Malfoy that during the bookstore brawl put the diary into Jenny's book, and that's that's what Harry figures out, right? From the the clues from Dobby, Harry mm-hmm. puts the pieces puts together. The pieces together. That, oh, that no. So that was something that Dumbledore didn't know either, huh? No, I mean, he probably figured that the diary came from Malfoy but he didn't know in the some way. Maybe Draco did it, slipped it in, gave it to Jenny, whatever. But I don't think he knew the actual moment that it happened. So this was kind of surprising to me like I said I knew that Malfoy was a bad guy and I knew that he was involved in some way but he was really moving a lot of pieces behind the scenes really manipulating playing the political game here on a lot of different levels to make a lot of evil stuff happen in this book I knew he was a jerk but he's just an evil guy yes I mean just awful 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 well, and then we also found out, remember when um, the boys did the Polyjuice Potion and went and talked to Malfoy, and mm-hmm. he was kind of bragging, Draco, we've got too many Malfoys in the conversation, went and talked to Draco, and he was bragging, he said that they came and looked, at the inspectors or mm-hmm. whatever came and looked at us, but they don't know that Dad's got a whole stash, hidden room, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and then Ron told his dad that mm-hmm. and so they went back and they got raided sure and so i mean so there's a lot of back and forth going on yeah there i mean there's not that mr weasley's doing anything wrong that it's could just I mean, there's like that could be like a whole book battle by, between the could be two a whole book by itself of the the side stuff that's going on there between the weasleys and the malfoys but then we get the harry sock scene which is one of the more memorable ones from the movies. You know, one that I'll, that even though I'd only, it'd been a long time since I'd seen the movies and I had never read the books, that's one that always st- stood out to me. And we always, you know, make, <laughs> we always make jokes about it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if we find a lone sock in the, in the dryer or something like that. It, it harkens back to the, the the story that if you give a house elf clothing, that is their symbol that you are freeing Free. them. Correct? Is there yeah. more to that that I'm that I'm missing? Oh, it's not not really a symbol. It's something with the magic, like it just breaks it. Oh, okay. So they are magically bound to their masters, mm-hmm. and if they give them a piece of clothing, they're set free. So if they blew their nose on a handkerchief and uh, just kind of like absentmindedly like uh, tossed it down to their elf and the elf caught it, they would be free. 
Man, yeah. you got to be really careful yeah. if you got to. I think they, they talk about it somewhere in there that they go to like extreme lengths to make sure that it does not happen. Interesting. You would think it would, it would accidentally happen. It probably accidentally happens all the time, but you would have thought that it would have accidentally happened to Lucius at some point. <laughs> no, he's very careful. He's very, very strategic. So explain Harry's plan here and how it works out. Well, you know, like you said, the the movie scene is so memorable that I kind of forgot that it happens a little differently in the books. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> what do you remember? I thought that in the movie, which we're going to watch here in just a second, we're going to do some time, get our time turners, time turners out. Yeah. I thought that the sock was like hidden inside the book and... Harry, and just tell me when I'm wrong, Harry goes back to Malfoy and says, don't you want your book, jerk, or something like that? (laughs) Something like that. And Malfoy says, what am I supposed to do with this old book? And just kind of hands it to Dobby. And Dobby looks inside the book and, there's a sock. Master gave Dobby a sock. Dobby's a free elf. Is that how it is? That's how it happens. Yes! Pretty much. Ten points for Hufflepuff. The lines were a little different, but yeah, that's pretty much how it happened. They're pretty sure he goes, here's your book, you big jerk. Big dummy face. (laughs) Big dummy face. I'm pretty sure that's how it went. Uh Uh-huh. Well, we'll we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out here in just a little bit. Um, I kind of have to say I like that version better. The movie version? Yeah. I mean, not just the dramatic effect of it, but... It just kind of made more sense that the sock be hidden in the journal. In the book, Harry takes off his sock and shoves the journal into his sock. And when he gives it to Lucius, he takes the sock off and tosses it. Well, like you were saying, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. For me, the magical contract needed intent. Mm-hmm. To give you clothes. If I was a house elf, just throwing I would, clothes around. I would constantly just be hanging out around my masters, like when they're sleeping and stuff, just to see if like something accidentally, like their oh, sleeping sorry. cap, like accidentally fell off their head or something. Like, and, I'd free. Be, and I'd be there to catch it, like yes, free. They'd wake up in the morning, they'd be like, "Where'd Dan go?" <laughs> Is your house elf <laughs> name would be Dan? Yeah, I don't think so, Danny. Like Dobby? Like Dobby. Yeah. It'd be Danny. No. Like, where'd Danny go? Like, where's my where's my oatmeal? <laughs> like, sorry, bro. Your wow. sleeping your sleeping cap fell off right into my waiting arms. So yeah, I I like the movie version because it has more intent to it, even though the the sock was hidden in the book. And it's not even like fully hidden, I don't think it but the intent was to give it to Dobby and have Dobby hold it because he didn't even want to touch it anymore because right. it was gross. And But in the book, he's just flinging the sock. He doesn't give it to him. Like Maybe if he kept the sock on the book and went, ew, I don't want this, and and gave it to Dobby, that would have more, I don't know, direct intent than, than throwing it and ha- Dobby just happening to catch it. Well, Dobby's free now, and Lucius is not happy about that and kind of... Oh lunges at Harry and we really get to see the power that Dobby possesses in this brief tussle that he has with Lucius. I didn't I guess I didn't realize the extent of Dobby's abilities mm-hmm. until it gets to the point where Lucius kind of looks like he's he's going to go one-on-one with Dobby and then kind of sheathes his wand and and backs down like I don't want any part of this. You know, maybe it's just because he thinks that Dobby's got all this pent-up aggression from years of... <laughs> Probably. Uh, well, he was just kicking him down the hallway. That's true. But he, I guess Lucius doesn't think he can, he can take a house elf. Yeah. Well, like you said, pent-up aggression. Dobby's really out to get him. But also, they are in the middle of a school, and Dumbledore's right back down the hall. And I think he realized it was going to get a little too messy... If he did, if he did engage. So, in what's that the fight. extent of the like the power set of a house elf? What what are, what are they able to to do? I mean, because it it's almost like he shoots him with like a energy shoots Lucy's with like an energy blast or something and sends him 
uh, flying tumbling down the stairs. Um, it's not. I'm sure there's something on Pottermore about it, but I haven't read it. But it's not fully explored in the books. Um, but it's a lot of what we do know is like levitating things, moving things, usually with a snap of the fingers. Um, they can pretty much pop in and out of anywhere, like the wards and spells that generally keep people from um, from getting in don't usually apply to the house elves because they're servants and they just come and go. They're seen as lesser beings, so I guess they're not included in like the wards. But, yeah, like I said, it's not fully explained the extent of their power. But we don't see a whole lot more than just kind of moving things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which would be helpful if they're cleaning and doing lots of household chores. So, it makes sense. So we go to our big feast. Gryffindor, of course, wins the house cup. Harry still hasn't changed. Exams are canceled to, (laughs) to the dismay of... Hermione, who drank her mandrake milkshake and is back to feeling good, even yeah. though the mandrake is All better. not feeling good because he was blended up into a uh, mandrake smoothie. And we're pretty much heading home for the summer until the next crisis involving the Dark Lord pops up, right? Right. Hopefully not, but we know that happens every happen. year. It's happen- yeah. We're two for two so far. Um, but you have one more question that gets answered. Her. Hmm. Her. What was Percy up to? Oh, Percy got a girlfriend. <laughs> a little Ravenclaw girlfriend. Good for mm-hmm. him. Ravenclaw girls are the best. Aw. Yeah. Because I'm Ravenclaw. Yeah, I went ahead and married one. Yeah, per- so that's why Percy was sneaking around. <laughs> that's why he was off in the the dungeons and the the corners of Hogwarts. He was kissing on his girlfriend. Yep. Having clandestine meetings with. Uh, we even ran into her. The boys thought they could. They thought she was Slytherin. And right. She was like, I'm, I'm a Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Why would I know a Slytherin romance? See, <laughs> exactly that that kind of Ravenclaw would be the one dating Percy. <laughs> And our friend George kind of say, "Yeah, we're not. We won't give him any any flack about that. No, they no. just act like. I mean, it's just like Christmas morning to them. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be great. Anything else? Are you ready to watch the movie? I think we're ready. All right, so we are going to take a short break. We are. It's only going to be about thirty seconds Muggle time, <laughs> but it'll be about two and a half hours in the Wizarding world. So stay with us while we." Travel through time. We're going to watch a two and a half hour movie, and, but we're going to be back with you in about 30 seconds. Woohoo! You wanna I'm so excited. Turn that time turner? No, we're going to do that at the end. Oh. We watch the movie first, and then we'll turn the time back. Oh. Traveling things a little, little rough. Well, once you get used to it, it's okay. But you know. So we have viewed the film Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets after having just completed the book Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And what were your big takeaways after seeing the film? It's probably the first time you've seen it beginning to end in a while. You've probably in caught a while. snippets. I, I'm on 
I'm, I'm not right now since we're doing this. I've been purposely not watching it when it's on TV. Which is hard because it's always on TV. Yes. So it has been a while. Um, don't get me wrong. Love the movie. Love the books. But I was, I don't know. I was a little... Underwhelmed? Well, underwhelmed seeing it after reading it. I was too. There was so much missing. And remember, we went and saw it was another book adaptation movie, and I said it was just like a highlights reel Mm -hmm. of all the important moments. Mm -hmm. That's what I felt like when we were watching it just a bit ago. So I don't know if that was. I felt the same way. And I don't know if that was because. of that's the way it actually is to be perceived or if that's just the way that we're seeing it because it took us you know four months or so to do these podcasts for the book and then if we sit down and and watch the the results of that book in movie form then it's going to seem rushed Either way, if we yeah. sit down and do two and a half hours versus four months, it's going to seem compacted severely no matter how we do it. So I don't know if that was just our perception of it or if that's the way it really ended up being presented. Do you think there's a difference between the fact that we took four months to read? I mean, the book doesn't take four months to read, but we did because we do it with the podcast. We've got to find time in our schedule for us to both sit down and everything. But I think the first time I read it, I finished the first two books. I finished them in day each. I I felt a, when I was when we were watching it, I kind of felt like they're they're already there. They're already doing that. They're already getting to that. Mm-hmm. How are they already there? There's so much that needs happens. to happen. Yeah. So I don't know if I didn't know if that was just my perception or if that was just if that was everybody's, even somebody that devours the book in a day or two and then watches the movie. I don't know that I felt that way. Well, but then again, I watched the movie and then I read the book, so maybe it felt different because of that when I originally first time i read the book i'd already seen the movie so maybe that was part of why but yeah after having just finished the book and then sit down to watch the movie it was yeah a little underwhelming something that i wanted to talk about was the special effects Mm -hmm. in the movie specifically the cgi versus the puppetry i'm a big fan of actual models like puppet models and things like that i feel like if i feel like here in 2019 people rely a little too much on the cgi and it gets a little cgi crazy now there's some things that in the superhero movies for example that you have to you have to cgi it or it's going to look stupid but there's other opportunities when you can take advantage of the animatronics and and the puppetry like they do in in the early Jurassic Park movies, that ends up being really cool. And there was some scenes in in the uh, Chamber of Secrets where they used actual like puppet models, and I thought it looked really cool. I thought it was awesome. I thought that they they really should be acknowledged for the good work that they did with that. And then there's other scenes like the Quidditch scenes where I guess the here in 2019, we look back on it, and it just looks super green screeny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if they rebooted it in 2019, it would they'd be able to look, make it look a lot better. But there's some there's some scenes that just kind of don't hold up to 2019 standards. But the the puppetry and the animatronics that always that always holds up. You know, that's always going to be even if it's done well. It if does. it's done well, yeah. yeah. You know, even back into like the the early 90s. A lot of those movies, that stuff still looks really good because it's 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 painstaking and it's it's very time consuming. But if you can do it and you've got the resources to do it, you can do it really well. So I I thought like uh, Fox the Phoenix when he's you know sitting on his perch, and then when we see the <laughs> all right. 
when we see the big snake monster. Basilisk. <laughs> Like, what Agreed. word is he looking for? When the basilisk first comes out in the chamber, mm-hmm. it's obviously a, a puppet, and it looks really cool. And then it comes all the way out, and it gets super CGI, and it gets a little. It just it it changes into like a cartoony look really quick. So there were some things that I thought that were really cool about it and some things with the special effects that that didn't really hold up, but not that you can expect that to do with technology changing all the time. I loved the little things that they threw in for the book readers, like the very, very beginning when uh, Nick, nearly headless Nick, says hi to Percy and Penelope. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having just found that out, because we finished the last chapter of the book, they were together, and then we see them walking together in the very first scene. Which is not even, it's not even mentioned. It's not even mentioned. They just kind of throw it in there for the book people. Other than we see Percy catch Harry and Ron disguised as Crab and Goyle, Mm -hmm. kind of in a weird part of the castle. We don't know what Percy's doing Doing down down there, there, but... Well, we know. Yeah. Sucking face. <laughs> <laughs> but the people who didn't read the books, they don't know. Sure. A couple other things that I noticed were left out or changed in the Flourish and Blots, the book exchange where Lucius slips Tom Riddle's diary into Jenny's cauldron. Mm-hmm. It's not inside her Transfiguration book. He just take, picks up the Transfiguration book and then puts two books back in. <laughs> and nobody notices. Nobody notices. <laughs> nobody. Well, in, and then in the books, isn't that the famous bookstore fight? Bookstore brawl? Right, there's no fight. There's no, no, no. There's no fight, which you were happy to see. Yes, the well, but Malfoy's still destroying books for no reason. He just, he just the jerk. He's, first, first of all... Gilderoy's doing doing his thing, holding court at the bookstore, and Malfoy is up in the rafters of the bookstore for some reason, just, just plotting acting like and he's scheming. acting like he's ready to like hock a loogie on him. <laughs> and then he comes, Malfoy comes down the stairs, grabs a book off the stack, rips a page out, puts the book back, and puts the the page like in his pocket. What a jerk! Yeah. What an awful person! Yeah. That that might be the worst thing he does. <laughs> in the whole series. In the whole well, series. You haven't read the whole series yet, but yeah. No, that's yeah. going to be it. That's, that's going to be it. Especially that's in your thing. opinion, being the Ravenclaw. Uh, the Polyjuice Potion only takes about a month to brew. Mm-hmm. In the, It took three years to brew in it, the book. It didn't take three years. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. Okay. Uh, we only read for four months, I was, remember? I was disappointed that we that we did not get to see Cornelius Fudge's uh, purple pointed boots. Oh. I was really looking forward to it. <laughs> Cornelius Fudge, in the book, he gets a whole chapter. Yeah. In the movie, he's he might as well just be random guy number four. Yeah. He's he's nothing. He has no... He's nothing. Yeah, other than Ron be like, that's my dad's boss. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. Then, yeah, if, if we didn't have that one line from Ron, we'd be like, who's this guy? Yeah. Who's nope, this, we don't even care. We yeah. don't even care who this guy is. The after Chamber of Secrets battle scene, where they go back in the book, where they go back to McGonagall's office and the Weasleys are there and they have this big reunification with, with Jenny and Dumbledore's there, McGonagall's there, and Gilderoy's there. We don't have, we don't get that. We don't have no. the Weasleys. We don't have Lockhart drooling in the corner. We don't have McGonagall. It's just Ron and Harry, and he sends Ron away pretty quick. Yeah. Go mail these letters. <laughs> Go use your your wonky owl. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I don't think he, he didn't say use your wonky owl. I think he would have preferred he didn't use the wonky owl, but. You could just use somebody he's else's had, owl? Like, yeah. Well, I'm like his friends with Harry, and then they're. They could do that. Uh, I don't know. I think Hedwig would probably wait. You know, ah, I'll probably wait till Harry gets back before I go off and doing what one of you. We know, I know how you Weasley boys are. Uh, Lucius is not confronted in front of Dumbledore about a lot of the stuff. Um, I'll, it, basically, in the book, everything that Lucius does is 
kind of thrown in his face in front of Dumbledore. And I think in the book he's even removed from his post on the Board of Governors. Yes. And in the movie I don't think he is. No. Well, it doesn't say. It, it, it says, they said in the book that, oh, you threatened the, the others to, to have me removed, but you still get to stay because <laughs> I guess he's so affluent. But in the book, he's he's totally removed from the, the board, and that sends him even into more anger. But in the in the movie, he kind of just says, "Well, my evil plan didn't work. See you guys next year." Yep. <laughs> and then Harry goes off and confronts him about the diary, basically where it's just them and it's them and Dobby in the big corridor. Dumbledore's not around. He confronts Lucius about. Putting the diary into uh, Jenny's in Jenny's cauldron. cauldron. The sock transfer is done differently. Differently, yes. You actually said you liked it better in the movie yeah. the way they did it. Yeah, it was. I just liked that there was more intent to the giving. It wasn't just Dobby snatched it out of the air. Mm -hmm. Like even he kind of held the book out and snapped it at him and shook it and was like, "Take this," and so he took it. It was a very, it was a very direct. I am giving this to you. Dobby does use a Captain Marvel like power blast <laughs> that I that you were I, excited about that, that I mentioned in the in the book when I read it. I said he kind of shoots like this this like energy blast, <laughs> and you're like, no, I don't know if that's really what it is. And then we watch the movie, and that's exactly what it is. So, ten points for Hufflepuff. And then at the end, the big feast, because of course after we defeat evil, we we have we to recoup all those calories that yes. we burn. Yes. There's no mention of the house cup. Nope. We don't get to see the banners changed Change or, or anything like that. With the, there's no mention of the 5,000 million extra points that Dumbledore gives to the boys and Gryffindor. He's got to keep Harry happy. 400. So he doesn't turn evil. <laughs> we don't want no more powerful wizards turning evil. we got to keep him happy. we got to keep him winning that house cup. Let him be on the Quidditch team his freshman year, even though that's not allowed. We gotta make all, buy buy him a uh, a fancy broom. We gotta make all these uh, allowances for Harry Potter so he doesn't turn into Voldemort 2.0. That's not true. Okay. None of that is true. Okay. And then they go and send him back to the Dursleys who lock him in his house and all that stuff. So, no, that's not gonna keep Harry happy. Hagrid comes back at the end. He's a little late because. <laughs> Ron's owl, owl got lost. Got lost on the way to Azkaban, but that's where where the movie ends. We don't have the the big uh, see you next, see you in the fall moment at here's yeah at King's Cross. Is it King, King's Cross? I guess that's where they would end up they going. End up going there, yeah. But at I guess at the on the train, we don't get to see. It. In the book, it says they all share a like a compartment and kind of reflect on. The craziness that had happened that year. We don't see that. It kind of just fades to black with Hagrid kind of being celebrated for his return and for it was kind of it was a little weird, you know, that everybody was kind of clapping for him. I could see that the people that would be close to Hagrid, but why was everybody else clapping? I don't know. It was the middle of the night and they're eating sugar, so <laughs> <laughs> it was bound to happen. The one kid was standing on a table. Yeah, he actually stood on the table. He just had, had too much sugar in him? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. It's just Hagrid coming back to people that care about him, like Dumbledore and McGonagall and the Weasleys and and Harry and Hermione and I guess even Neville to to some extent, who's had a little bit of, of interaction with, with Hagrid. I could see why they would be excited about that and this would be like a big moment for them. But everybody, with the exception of Malfoy and his crew, are clapping and standing like, and way excited about Hagrid being back. Yeah, it's a little weird. It is a little weird, and a standing ovation isn't typically a way to greet someone who's returned from jail. From jail, <laughs> from horrible prison. Um, but you know. At the same time, he was wrongfully accused and wrongfully imprisoned. So the least we can do give him a little standing is a little ovation. standing ovation. Even though the kids didn't didn't send him to Azkaban, they're like, "Hey, you survived! You came back! Yep. You're not a crazy person." I wonder what 
I think that'd be an interesting, you know, like short story, Hagrid's experience in, in Azkaban. Maybe some of the things that he sees there, some of the characters he sees there. What is life, daily life like in, in Azkaban? Is it just, is it like Arkham Asylum in, <laughs> in uh, Batman? I don't know. Well, you know, Daniel, what's the title of the next book? Uh, that would be Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. So maybe some of your questions will be answered. Maybe. So uh, is that a good way, to, good place to stop there? I think so. A I think foreshadowing you just, there? you just set it up and... Sounds good. Well, thanks for joining us on this journey through Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. The next time you hear us, we will be starting Chapter 1 of Book 3, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Give me a little, without giving things away, give me something to uh, look forward to. Is is this book going to have more action? Is it going to have, is it going to expound on some questions that we've had in the previous two books? Without, or can you not do that without being spoilery? Um, well... We get to go back to Hogwarts, so that's always exciting. You're just happy to be at Hogwarts. I'm always happy to be at Hogwarts. Every time they showed the castle last night on the movie, I was like, like, that castle's so, so pretty. Pretty. Look at, so pretty. Look at Hogwarts. I love it. People are getting kidnapped, and kids have been killed in there. No. no. Well, okay, yeah, they have been killed in the past. Nobody's getting killed in the moment. The, the evil, evil lord is, seems to visit there every year. Trees beat people up. <laughs> Spiders in the forest try to kill you, but it's so pretty. But yeah, I think we get to see a little bit more of the world. We get to, to we just get to see a bit more of the world. I have to leave it at that. I think I'm excited that the kids every year they get older, it seems, you know, they get closer to adulthood, and they get the their. Their problems become more magnified, and I think that adds to the excitement a little bit more. We also get to see the we're I think we're getting to the getting closer to the point where we're going to see some of these you know potential romantic relationships Aww. kind of start to to take form, and I think that's kind of cool too. I I was just so you were laughing so hard when Jenny <laughs> came downstairs and saw Harry. <laughs> She just she just had this big look on her eyes, and she just slowly didn't lose eye contact, but just slid you out know, of the picture. Out, yeah, out of the frame. I think it's I think it's so interesting to see how how different the actors look from movie to movie. Mm-hmm. Just from uh, Sorcerer's Stone to Chamber of Secrets, they look like they they've grown up so much, and I can't even imagine what they're going to look like when we watch the, yeah. the next movie. And they reminded you too, because the opening scenes, he's mm-hmm. looking at pictures from right. the first year, and you're just like, like you were just a baby. Oh, look how little you were. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm looking forward to that. So, like I said, next time you hear us, we will be on Chapter 1 of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. So thanks for everybody for downloading, subscribing, and listening. And don't forget. The contest we're doing, send us an email, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. The good name for the wizarding version of Woodstock. Whoever comes up with the best name, we're going to send you a t-shirt of your choice. We'll even let you pick out the design because I got a cricket machine. I can do whatever I want now. <laughs> the power's in my hands. Uh, how do you think Mr. Weasley would feel about the cricket machine? Oh, he would... Just be blown. The away. Muggles have have figured out magic. <laughs> they know. They're aware of us. Until, Probably. Until next time, I am your Hufflepuff host, Dan Rhino. Your Ravenclaw host, Jessica Rhino. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you then. Bye. Those fingers in my head. That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft And I've got no defense for it The